0: My friend Dave Chang hosts a podcast for us that is called The Dave Chang Show. Yeah, original title. He Talks about food, talks about culture, talks about life. This week, he's talking about Thanksgiving. Just two weeks away, we are doing, he did a little holiday navigation questions. So go listen to it. The Dave Chang Show, only available on the Ringer Podcast Network. This episode of the Bill Simmons Podcast is presented by State Farm. If you ever been in an accident, and you're okay, but you know what happened? Your first reaction is gonna be, man, why did that happen? If you ever buy a new house or a new car or a new anything, there's this little rush you get when you're like, I did it, I made it happen. But really, the only words you need to remember are like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. State Farm has options to fit your unique insurance needs, meaning you can talk to your agent to help choose the coverage you need, Have coverage options to protect the things you value most. File a claim right on the State Farm mobile app and even reach a real person when you need to talk to someone. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Learn more at statefarm.com. This episode is brought to you by Monopoly Go. It's halftime and the scoreboard's not looking good. You're not sure you can pull out a win? That's when you say to yourself, it's time to get back in the game. Pull off some bank heists and take as much of my friend's money as I possibly can. That's right. The hit mobile game, Monopoly Go let you compete with your friends to be the biggest tycoon ever. I might do this with my high school friends. We used to play Monopoly all the time. It's the Monopoly you love, but on your phone anytime with tons of new twists, including leaderboards to compare your progress. There's so much to do. Play on countless dynamic Monopoly boards. Make your friends bankrupt by smashing their landmarks with a wrecking ball. Charge other players rent for your iconic properties. Maybe you'll even play against me. I'm great at Monopoly. You could even work with your friends to crack open community chess and in tournaments to get extra rewards. Get back out there. Put on your game face. Download Monopoly Go. Now free on the App Store or
1: Google Play.
0: We're also brought to you by the Ringer Podcast Network. New rewatchables went up on Monday. We finally did it. Me and CR cruising. Wesley Morris joined us as well. It was the second installment of Naughty November. I have a third one coming on Monday. Stay tuned for that. New podcast launched on the Ringer Podcast Network. Uh, listen, I we had to do it early. I know it's November. It's November 10th today. It's a little early, early to think about the NBA draft. Not really. It's not. Not during a Wemby year. Not during a scoot year. KOC, Kevin O'Connor, and J. Kyle Mann, they have teamed up and we've created the Ringer NBA Draft Show. They're going to be doing it at least once a week. It'll go twice a week as we get you know, in a March Madness and close to the lottery, but they did put up their first episode already. It was fantastic. There's a little Sharks homage in there that I loved, but you can go check it out wherever you get your podcast, the Ringer NBA draft show coming up on this podcast. It's been a while since we had Joe House on. It's not going to be Drunk House either. It's going to be Sober House, but him and Chris Vernon, our friend from the mismatch, our friend from Memphis, We're just doing a little three-man weave, the three of us talking all the NBA storylines that we care about that don't involve the Brooklyn Nets or the Los Angeles Lakers. That's right. It is a Nets-free, Lakers-free zone for NBA talk for you. And then after that, Benjamin Solak is coming on to help me with Million Dollar Picks. Have some very strong thoughts about the slate this week. Peter Schrager is in Germany. So he's not on this week's pod, but he'll be back next week. And then every week after that, this was his last trip. So that is the pod. I'm pumped to talk hoops. I'm pumped to talk football. Hope you enjoyed the all-movie podcast on Tuesday. It was a blast to talk to Cameron Crow. We're gonna get started. Let's get into our friends from Pro Jam. All right, taping this it is 1 o'clock Pacific time on Thursday. It's before the night basketball game, so if anything crazy happens, don't blame us. Chris Vernon is here, Memphis' zone. You can hear him on the mismatch with KOC. Our buddy Joe House is here at Sober House, not Drunk House. He's at work. Um, you can hear him on the Ringer Gambling Show and Fairway Rolling as well. I am so tired of Lakers talk and Brooklyn talk, and I think there's so many other fun storylines that need to be celebrated that I want to talk about all the non-Lakers, non-Nets storylines that we should be talking about. And I want to start in Memphis. Chris Verno, I'm going to throw interesting storylines at both of you that I've just been fascinated by. We're three and a half weeks in, and you can throw a couple back at me. Here's one, no particular order. I think Ja and Bain have the torch now for best backcourt. I think they have the championship belts.
1: Wow. You're there wow. every day.
0: I know you're a little biased on this, but yeah. just day-to-day reliability, talent, performance, I feel like they have the torch.
1: So over the last eight games, Bain has been right under 30 points per game. Like, this is not being covered quite a bit, but in the last eight games, as the season has begun, he's averaged 28.5 points per game. He's shooting over 50% from three uh, and he's also leading the NBA in fourth quarter scoring. Like he is now on this trajectory to become an all star all star. And it not what? even be like a huge debate. And if that's the case, you got one all NBA guy next to an all-star. I mean, I think you're talking probably Garland and Garland and uh, Donovan. You're probably yeah. talking DeJounte and Trey, even though they just kind of got together. Um no, I
2: have them
0: third.
3: <laughs>
0: well, and then it's, and then the Booker CP, CP is yeah. on, you know, 45-year-old Tom Brady, Bucks QB mode, but he's still CP. I the other thing with Bain that you didn't mention, his pull-up stats are like unbelievable. He's like the best pull-up three-point shooter in the league. He's a monster on on D House. You recoiled when I threw the best backcourt thing out there, but it's actually if we're just going performance right now, age, all the things you'd want. I think they've passed Booker and CP3, and we don't have to talk about the Warriors guys yet.
2: See, I recoiled because I was sure that this was a backhanded way for you to get to Tatum and Brown, that we were going to put Tatum and Brown in a backcourt, and we were going to have to start talking about the mother-effing Celtics in the first five minutes of this podcast. But I'm pleasantly surprised. I'm thrilled. I'm here to tell you. Here we go. I agree with everything you guys just said. Let's move on.
0: <laughs> but, Verno, Bain's got better every year, but yep. at no point during the journey until the last, like, two and a half weeks were you thinking, like, this guy's unquestionably an all-star?
1: It kind of started with the Minnesota series last year. He averaged over 25 in that series. And then Golden State in the next round, Bain had kind of tweaked his back, and Golden State made it their mission to not let... Desmond Bain and Brandon Clark do what they did against the Minnesota Timberwolves. And so kind of got to go through that too, had this unbelievable uh, first round playoff series and then had some struggles and then ended very strong in that. And he is one of those guys that just keeps on getting better and better and better. And it's because he works on it. Like there are guys that you see throughout the league that truly work, work on their game and add something. And if you would go back to his rookie year, he was mechanical, pounded the ball into the ground. It was like, all right, just catch and shoot. Don't try the dribbling stuff. Now he's leading the second unit. When they sub out the starters, he's leading the second unit. And he's not only the scorer, he's the playmaker for everybody else too. He has been unbelievable.
0: That's been the revelation to me is watching him initiate and create and there were seeds of it last year, but it's different this year. You're right. Like To me, like and you wouldn't want this, but if job just, you know, he tweaked his ankle, he was out for four games. Like, oh my God, what are they going to do? They'd be okay. And I think one of the reasons is it's because of him. Now, with all that said house, I just said he's definitely in the All-Star game. I'm not sure he's going to make the All-Star game because the guard position is fucking loaded in the West. Like, just going through it, I mean, Booker has to be in the All-Star game. So you're just like, if we're just going backwards, and are like, well, we can't leave this guy out. Booker's definitely in there. Jaw's definitely in there. Shea, Gilgis, Alexander, nope. the way it's going so far, he's house. He's like 32 a game.
2: Oh, I don't have any issue with it. I just, at what point is OKC okay, so shut him down? Like, is he going to have enough games? Well, but,
0: yeah, true. <laughs> um, And then Curry's definitely in there. Yeah. So and four of that are definite. So Bain, I think, has the inside track in that fifth spot. But you know, Lillard, you never know. Lillard's got
1: well, Lillard the Lillard already legacy got thing. hurt. Ew.
0: I know. Yeah, Lillard's already hurt. So what are and then you, after that. I don't yeah, know.
2: what are you gonna do about Mike Conley and, and Jordan Clarkson, though? Like we're, we're not gonna <laughs> yeah. let them Utah we're, boys out.
0: You know what we're gonna do? We're gonna have a nice little part viewing party that they can enjoy with some <laughs> good food and some drinks as they watch the All-Star game. <laughs> um so Verno, you're eight and four. Yeah. Unfortunately, you lost to my team, which leads to uh Storyline number two. Again, no particular order. I think Tatum and Brown are clearly the best duo in the league now. Right? Because for years it was like the Kawhi George combo. We had the LeBron Anthony Davis year. Tatum went up a level house. I don't know if you've been watching, but Tatum I have. Tatum plays so fucking hard every quarter now on both ends. Like that guy is like, he he's got like the Kobe DNA. And Ja, by the way, is the same. Um, but Tatum, both ends, is playing so hard. And then Brown is just has had like five or six games already this year. Where he's just been awesome, and I just think they're the they're the best combo to me. Verno, you disagree with that?
1: No, I, I in fact I saw them in person in that game you were just talking about, and that was by far the best I've seen Tatum. I mean, he's yeah. scored at every single level. He's gotten bigger. He keeps getting bigger um, as the years go on. Like, and I'm talking like broad shoulders. Like, if it, 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 it's one of those guys where he's too quick when you switch on to him and he uses his physicality now when he's got a smaller guy on mm. him. Not to mention he could get his shot up over everybody else. I thought he was absolutely awesome um, the other night when I got to see him. And it was the first time I had seen him since, of course, last year. Um, he's a great, great player. And then just the idea that either one of those guys can go for, They could each kill you because usually what has been the case against the Memphis team is that Brown has torched them, absolutely torched them. And they did a pretty good job on Jalen Brown. I mean, he still had like 20 points, but he did it on 21 shots the other night. But Tatum has just been, that was the first time, like that was the first time where I thought this guy is a bona fide superstar. And I know that people have kind of put him in that class preemptively and he was the best player on a team that just went to the finals. It was just my opinion. Just watching him go in, it doesn't matter what court the guy's on, this guy can be the best player on any court that he's on. Like, on on any given night, or possibly in any given series, he could be the best player.
2: Yeah, Uh, that run that he went on, that was coincident with the Celtics going on their winning streak in the second half of last season, that elevated him. And then we saw him throughout those playoffs and into the finals as that best player. And it was clear by the end of the finals that some combination of, holy S, this is like the first time I've ever played this many games with this much responsibility. It got to him. But to his credit, right? And to the great joy of the Boston faithful, the dude took the offseason to put on muscle to, to, to reinvigorate his mindset, like all of the things that we were pointing at at the end of the finals. Where's Tatum? Why isn't he there every game? There's a lack of consistency. Brown is more reliable. Like a lot of those question marks, Jason Tatum heard all of that, put it in a file, and processed that shit and showed up ready for business this season. Now the open question is, we're 11 games in. He's He's answered every single question we had Post finals, can he sustain it through the course of a regular season? Does it even really make sense for him to sustain this level for the through the course of the of the regular season? And then come playoff time, what's he ready for?
1: Well, uh, to your point, Bill, about like the two duos that we've mentioned so far. Uh, so Tatum's averaging thirty one a game, and Brown's averaging twenty five a game, and this is just scoring. They both obviously have great numbers in the other categories. Morant is averaging. A tick under twenty nine a game, and Bain is averaging twenty five a game. So I mean, those are those are the two best tandems so far statistically in the league. Um, yeah,
0: and it's not close. that yeah. I remember being in Boston with House as House just disparaged Tatum. <laughs> wondered what happened to him. He doesn't get it.
2: He, he deserved a, it.
0: He is a paper superstar. I we remember all your comments, House. But to your point. I do think he had to go through it. And I've, I've heard all the great players have talked about this. You need that one, either uh, playoffs or series, whatever it is, where you get the kick in the nuts or you look in the mirror and you're like, I'm just not good enough yet. Or what happened? Why couldn't I? Why did I lose? Why did I lose energy? Why did they figure out this one thing about my game? And I had no answer. He spent the whole off season. All he did was work on finishing with contact and finishing in the lane. Cause the way the Warriors played him, they are basically like, we're taking away your threes. What else do you got? And he couldn't really figure it out. He's stronger. I There's some stuff about him changing his diet potentially. Um, and just like kind of moving into that, like that Kobe mindset, that like LeBron second year in Miami mindset where just something feels different. And I'm not saying he's going to be as great as those guys, but he passed this check mark That I felt like as a Boston fan, I'm like, I hope he gets it. Like even Verno, when he went to Draymond's wedding, I was like, oh shit, does this guy get it? (laughs) Not positive, but now I think he gets it.
1: Still a young guy. I mean, look, there was there was a I don't know if you remember this. I'm sure there's a million things that have happened on your pods that you forget that other people remember. But years ago, you had gotten this email from this guy, and it wasn't even a guy that was in the country. And he sent you this email about guys that were 27 years old or older, and it was, and he ran down everybody that was the best player on a title team, and I mean, we're talking Jordan and LeBron, and I mean, all the, all the great players, okay? And that, for whatever reason, I bring it up a lot on the mismatch, that has always stuck with me with you know, our level of impatience on when guys get to this point. I don't know if it's a magic age. I don't know why these guys don't win until they're 27 years old. But generally, over the course of NBA history, the best player on your team is 27 or older. Giannis was an outlier, but he was 26, right? Tatum is still 24, Right? right. And I remember talking about that last year, like for whatever reason, these guys, whether it's the level, uh, you know, the years in the league, learning how to get around, um, maybe they just mature as as men. You well, it's know, it's like a at, video at game. You just yeah. go up. Out-
0: Yeah, you you solve one level, then you get to the next one. But there's like twelve levels,
1: and we expect these guys to win and be like, you know, if they don't, if they don't make it to the finals or they're not the best player in the finals, it's like, well, geez, why aren't they winning yet? But the truth is, over the course of time, what we've learned is that these guys, even the best of the best, people don't like. When you think about like, how old was LeBron when he won? How old was Jordan when he won? Like these guys are twenty seven or older.
0: Yeah, when we're like walking. seven, eight, nine years in the league. Crazy. House, House, do you, do you think, it's, this is a weird question, but if they win last year, does what we've seen from Tatum these first 12 games happen in the same way? Probably not, right? You almost need like the pain of getting your teeth kicked in. Because there's a world where Curry just sucks in the fourth quarter of game four and misses some threes. Boston probably wins the title if that happens, even though I don't feel like they were ready to win the title. But See, Curry, I, goes up, Curry goes up a level and then the
2: series shifts. You yep. know that I'm a glass half full kind of guy. I think that Tatum would have heard all of that criticism and, and taken it on. Now, I do think that there also is an element of the unexpected uncertainty that was dropped onto, into Boston's lap this offseason through the mm. combination of, of what happened with their head coach and also, maybe a little bit predictable that Williams was going to be out, but both of those things create an, an urgency, right? If you yeah. are, the, if you think you're the best player on the team, then you have a responsibility to carry the team through, you know, this unexpected distress. And that's something that he also seems I mean, up to the task. So here we are. I mean, of course, we're doing ten minutes on the effing Celtics. No, no, I we're done. It. We're done. We're done. I knew it. No, no. Know. listen.
0: I I think, I think Verno sees this. Verno sees this with Ja. We're seeing this with Donovan Mitchell in Cleveland.
2: Mm.
1: We figured we were going to fill up this time house. We're not going to talk about the frigging wizard.
0: Yeah.
2: You know what I mean? Right. Like we, we, can't, like, we can't talk about your team, so can we talk about ours? Well, let's yeah, talk but, about some real surprises. It's not that surprising that the team that was in the finals last year is good and that their two best players are good. <laughs> let's talk about some real surprises, <laughs> goddammit.
0: All right, I'll get I'll give you a fun one. Miami might be dead.
1: Oh what? Come on. Dead? <laughs> what are you talking about? I, that
0: that run might be done. The That's 2020 no. finals may almost make it the finals last year. Have you watched them? Like they play zone half the time. This is like a this is like a put duct tape and scotch tape and thumbtacks. And they're trying to piece together these games with an older team. They have no bench. And I, I've never seen a decent team play zone like this. Like the four and seven. It's like, oh, we're gonna turn it on. Well, what happens when Butler like pulls his abductor muscle and he's out 12 games? They don't have a lot of options for the regular season. I think they're going to be a playing team. If you're a playing team and you're older and you don't have a deep bench, I think that and the East, how fucking loaded it is, I would be fucking terrified if I was a Miami fan right now. This I think the run might be over.
1: Nah, this is a team that has won already. They've Kay. got... P- They've got pieces in order to make a move if they want to make a move. What pieces? And, what, what
0: move? What pieces? Well, I what mean, are they the pieces? Can,
1: look, they, they got expired contract. Like they can move. Uh, Duncan Robinson can be moved. Everybody Duncan wants Robinson. shooting. <laughs> yeah, everybody wants shooting. Get the come on. What are you talking about?
0: He's like borderline unplayable. He makes seventeen <laughs> million a year. They can't move him. They can't move yeah. Old Depot. He can't stay in the court. They, well, the, do you want the, Lowry at age thirty six for thirty million dollars a year?
1: Look, this is a veteran-laden team that doesn't give a crap about the regular season. Surprise, surprise.
0: Well, they, it's been obvious so far.
1: Well, I know, but nobody believed in them last year. They ended up with the best record in the Eastern Conference. And a one shot. talked about how bad Miami is. Listen, one shot from the final. One I'm shot. sorry. I didn't know we are here to talk about
0: last year. I thought we were here to talk about this year. <laughs> oh, for goodness I thought goodness we were talking say. about that 2022-23 season.
1: They're 4-7. and seven. They're not 1-9.
2: Yeah, even what if we were one and nine, I can't believe this slander. This this Pat Riley slander. It's in Simmons's DNA. That's why Verno he can't help himself. It's what, been what's going. Better it, about it doesn't them? matter. It doesn't matter. We're eleven games into the season. Oh, I, don't, I we don't what, need to assess he, whether or not. That's what they're House
0: better. was saying about the Packers. as he bet on them every week for like five straight I didn't know eight. that was saying. or the know Rams or the Bucks. Like this shit happens. Teams the Rams, get old. baby. Not when the it time
1: when, t- when, when it when it comes playoff time, give me Jimmy Butler. I'm right okay. there with Verno. That's well, exactly it, right. Let me have that this? dog.
0: What team is he gonna be on when it comes to playoff
1: time? <laughs> He's gonna be on the Miami Heat. Come on.
2: I, I that that's the right the right point though, because as Berno alluded, you can't sleep on Miami being aggressive about improving their team if an opportunity shows itself. And the thing that we know about the NBA, opportunities will show itself. Players we don't expect to be available will be available. I mean, Utah at some point is going to, you know, change its mind about the course of of its uh, direction and strategy this year. There will be players available that we don't see coming, and then Miami will be in a position to try and jump in there.
0: I think, here's my Miami point, and this is why, in all seriousness, I think they should be concerned. I think the one thing we've learned this year is that more than ever, this is a guards league and a perimeter scorer league. And the more guards you have and the more scoring you have and the more one-on-one guys you have, look at Utah, Utah's 10 and three. It's like, Oh my God, this is what a crazy story. It's like, it's actually not that crazy when you watch them, they spread everybody out and they have a bunch of guys who can beat people off the dribble. This is what the Cavs are trying to do. All you go on down the line. This is like Detroit's ultimate destiny with Ivy and Cade. And Miami's not really that team. Like, Lowry's not a guy that can go by people anymore. They have Hero, that's about it. I think they have trouble defending those guys, which is why they have to play zone. And I just, my question is, do does this current Miami team fit in with where we're watching the league go? Like, Verno, when you guys play them, and you haven't played them yet, and that's coming in December 5th at Memphis, and you're going to text me after, and you are be like, holy shit, we were so much faster than those guys. I think they're too slow.
1: I don't know, man. They're always physical. They still got, like, they still got Jimmy Butler and Bam Adebayo. Okay, they still All got right. those guys on their team. All you right. know, and we didn't see Max Strus coming. And Max Strus was playing in the playoffs last year. I mean, I'm
0: I'm planning my watch out flag. Let's take a break, and then Verno, you got to do it. <laughs> Now's the perfect time to download FanDuel America's number one sports book right now. New customers get a no sweat first bet up to one thousand dollars. That's free bets back if first bet doesn't win. Sign up with promo code BS. I'm going to be talking about my favorite bets later on Million Dollar Picks. Will I have the balls to put the Jaguars, who are almost four to one underdogs in Kansas City, will I have the balls to put them into the underdog parlay? You're going to find out. FanDuel has a bunch of options like that to bet on. They have uh, parlays, same game parlays, teasers, teasers where you can adjust the points. They have a great app. You get paid your winnings fast. Sign up today, promo code BS. For your no sweat first bet, make every moment more this season with FanDuel, your official sportsbook partner of the NFL. You must be 21 plus in select states. First online real money wager only. Refund issued as non-withdrawable free bets that expire in 14 days. Restrictions apply. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. All right, come back. Verno, give us, uh, give us an unexpected storyline that has nothing to do with the Nets or Lakers.
1: All right, well, you mentioned Utah. I mean, I I think, look, it's Utah and Cleveland, both of those teams. Um, The Cleveland one, we could have seen coming simply because they acquired Donovan Mitchell. They didn't really lose anything. The team was sensational last year until they got the injury bug. They lost Rubio, they lost Mobley, they lost Allen. But that team was defending at a very high level, and they were competing – For a home court advantage spot, they were in like fifth place before they started getting ravaged by injury. So the idea that those guys would add Donovan Mitchell to their mix and really not lose anything of significance, Laurie Markkinen notwithstanding, um, them being good is a good story, but we probably could have seen it coming. I think it's just that it's worked so well so fast. Can can we
0: talk about them first and then we'll go to Utah? Because yeah, I sure. think I think you're right with that. I saw House, I didn't even call you after this. I saw Cleveland on Monday night. I went to Cleveland Clippers. So I got to see it in person. It was my first mobile experience, which it was just he's just breathtaking. Yeah. Like honestly, he's he's young KG. He really is. Like just the Oh way yeah, he you moves, tweeted
2: that. You tweeted that. Uh,
0: the way he moves up and down the court, um, he could jump off, he can go I mean, it's all stuff you see on TV, but in person where he's just how easily he could just jump from guy to guy on defense. How he covers rolls a lot to the of the rim. court,
2: doesn't he? Covers a lot but of the, go- the court.
0: The eye-opening thing to me in person, which was a little different than TV, was they're so hard to defend with the two, with him and Allen together. But then the two guards who can get in the paint, and over and over again, the Clippers were in this situation where, if you help on the guard who's already gone by his guy, then Moby or Allen just go to the rim with their arms up, right? And Mitchell already knows how to play with those guys. Garland already did, obviously. Garland's been unleashed as like, he's like a pure point guard now. He's not a scorer, he's an assist guy. And once they figure out that Levert spot, I th- I honestly think that's a, like a legit contender. I think that's the third best team in the East. I think they're a real problem. But the Levert spot was what killed them in the game I went to. He had wide open shots down the stretch, missed them. Clippers made a little comeback. Cavs didn't get a couple calls. Little hero ball and they end up blowing the game. But the Mitchell Garland combo house, we we were assuming it was going to be good, but I think it's been better than I expected.
2: It's been better because Mitchell's been better. He's yes. the key to the to all of it. And the thing you and and Malone, uh Mahoney, uh, I almost called him, um, and on, Maloney, Maloney Mahoney Maroney, all of them have talked about the commitment by Mitchell to. Defense, the defense yes. part of this. And I watched coming, it in person. He was like we go. fighting
0: through picks and doing. And I was like, whoa, where was this guy for two years?
2: Yeah. So that's the thing that that creates the garland, right? The, the garland comes from the Mitchell. The Mitchell is the alpha. We wondered, you know, he gave us shades of alpha over the course of his Utah tenure, but he didn't show it on both sides of the ball. He didn't show that that commitment to 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 be the guy and maybe it's because of whatever was going on with Gobert um and and it's he Gobert's understood fault. something maybe yeah. so maybe it's it's tough to to argue now but look he just showed up right and ready this season and you can tell from the defense that he's playing that that's the way that he approached this season
0: i love it i think what's really 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 jarring watching in person was when love comes in, they don't lose that much. And there's like in crazy plus minus stats for love this year, like of bench guys. Like he's I think he's got the best plus minus, the points per possession, all that stuff. And you can see it, they don't, he's a little older, right? He's not the same rebounder that he used to be. He used to be such like a just a mesmerizing rebounder. And that's kind of semi-gone at this point. But he's a better three point shooter. He knows how to play and they can just put him in for Mobley or Allen and they stay the same. And that was what, so I kept watching the Levert spot and the Wade spot because that's what they're going to have to fix. And they need, the moment they get somebody who can be in that left corner, who just makes threes, that whole court's going to open up and they're going to be really hard to defend. I have them third, Verno. I think if you're telling me who's, who's the most likely team to make the finals, Milwaukee is clearly levitating over everyone. Then Boston. And then I think it's Cleveland and, and Boston Cleveland might be 2A and 2B for me.
1: Man, I would give anything to watch those teams play in a playoff series. They played those two yeah. games. They both went to overtime. And that last one that they played, where it was, you know, Tatum's blocking Mitchell at the buzzer, oh. Tatum's having the dunk at the end. That game was so high level for a game that's within the first 10 games of the season. It was ridiculous.
0: Yeah. You know what else? So that was the first game of the first Clipper game I went to like the, I went to a Laker game, but those aren't real games. They're so disjointed. <laughs> I mean, it's not, not basketball. Um, this rule, first of all, they've, they've made this real conscious effort to just keep the flow going. Right. But that just taking away that fast break rule where you could foul somebody in the fast break has made just a dramatic impact. This game I went to that, that Cavs Clipper game, the first quarter was 19 minutes. It started at like 7.37. Yep. And all of a sudden, the first quarter was ending. And um, and I was with a friend of mine. And we I was with Wesley. And I was like, what What time is it? And we look and it was like 7.56. And we're <laughs> like, what the fuck just happened? <laughs> it's not even 8 o'clock yet. It's the second quarter. But these games, and I know you guys have seen this too, with some of the, like the, the Cavs-Boston game was another one. You'll just have these four-minute stretches now where it's just basketball. Like, it's really flows back and forth. No fouls. I think that's been an unbelievable rule for them.
1: It's made a profound difference. Yeah. A profound difference, right, Um, in terms of flow of the game. I got to ask you, we did a quick little 20-second timeout on this. You, you mentioned these Clipper games, right? And every yeah. once in a while, you'll go to go seek someone out in person. Do you still have your season tickets? I do. So it's 41 games. Yeah. Uh, how many would you say you'll go to or, throughout the year?
0: Probably seven, fifteen 15 to 17. And, and I share what, them with my friend, Mike Tolan, who takes half and then we'll sell the ones we can't go to.
1: And you guys sell, do they sell? Yeah.
0: Well, I'll tell you this, the Houston Rockets didn't sell. We ended up <laughs> eating those.
1: <laughs> I do wonder, do they sell? <laughs> like if you just put your tickets up, cause you got good seats. Do we have seats?
0: unbelievable seats. We kept mo- getting moved up, but, um, yeah, look, I'm not gonna lie. Like Kawhi Leonard's street clothes every day has not helped the market for the quicker tickets out here in LA. It just is not. It's fun to see what sweatshirts and sweaters he wears, but uh, you know, after two months, it gets kind of want to see him out there. Um, no, but it's. I think this year there's like you know nine or ten teams where you just you just have to go. Verno, you go to every game.
1: I go but, to every game, and you but know there's what, some I mean,
0: appointment teams where it's just like I just got to see these guys. I want to see what they look
1: like. Oh, I was so happy that over this past weekend we got Charlotte and Washington out of the way, <laughs> right? Because those are, the, I mean, we saw Charlotte without anybody. Yeah. Like, they had no Rozier, no Hayward, no Lamelo, no Cody Martin, and then we saw Washington without Brad Beal, and I'm like, okay, these are not appointment viewing necessarily, but. Virtually everyone else on the schedule, there's a few here and there. Like now, you know, there's some of these teams where I was like, man, I have absolutely no interest in, say, Indiana. But the Matherin thing is now like I've, yeah. I, I can at least talk myself into, hey, I get to check him and Halliburton out in person. And so most teams. How about she- the SGA? NBA, I think yes. SGA,
0: you have to go now.
1: No, I got I, If we, I'm going over the go
0: anyway. city,
3: it's to see Poku.
1: Come on! <laughs> Come on! That's
0: right. That's you true. They they are a Michigan of this year. No, but even like I like when Paolo's coming to town, I'm fucking seeing him,
1: hundred th- percent.
0: Like that guy is like a fully formed scorer already. He's what is he nineteen? He's put up twenty three a game. Um, you know, have- I,
1: you know, I met that kid over the summer. I mm. went and uh, the two twins that are in overtime elite, Azur and Amen Thompson, and I yeah. went and uh, I went and saw them at a workout. And Paolo walked in because he's represented by Mike Miller, who lives in Memphis. And you don't realize, like, the size of that guy. I mean, he is enormous. It's it's like Giannis. He's yeah. not like the strong, but, I mean, he, when he fills out and he starts putting on the muscle, he's going to be unstoppable. He's already had a couple of 30s. In the first couple of weeks of the season, great, is, great
0: footwork too.
1: Oh my God. What a freak. Truly
0: house. Your team always just drafts either ninth, 10th or 11th. So <laughs> you're never going to get a chance to get a guy like that. But
1: uh huh, I went the other night to watch Johnny Davis and didn't get to see
2: him. Yeah, well, is that true? If you want to watch Johnny Davis, you better, you got to get some G League tickets. That, that's the best place to see Johnny Davis. What, what
0: G League? What G League
2: team did he end up? With? He's on our the Go Go. <laughs> the Go Go. How's team.
0: Utah's your kind of team, House.
2: Well, ball it's movement my...
0: guards, an old point guard, weird pieces. You like this is your kind of NBA.
2: Well, I, I really like especially the Will Hardy thing, the underrated story over the summer. Speaking of discontent in Boston. Was yeah. Utah stealing will Hardy out from under boston's nose right who was the
0: who is the one person whining about it with a podcast? this guy right here <laughs> me I was trying to tell people like jesus that this guy was basically a co-coach for us last year. He was all over the place anyway. yeah
2: lead lead assess, uh, assistant for email, and nobody gets uh, you know a higher more glowing review than will Hardy from pop and if you're getting those kind of of kudos from pop, you know. He's got something going on. It's clear that um, he's got the temperament and demeanor. And maybe it's it's I liken this a bit to Brad Stevens, uh, yeah. although Hardy seems even more relatable to the players than than Stevens. He's he's thirty four years old. He played you know guard division three Williams, but you know whatever. Uh, he's got a basketball intellect, and he's connecting with these guys in a way that you know uh, immediately it's so funny the stories you look at they're like we read all the 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 news reports before the season started about us tanking and we said fuck that uh and i have to i i'm not prepared to do it yet but laurie markinen who i've been calling the finnish bargnani for you know ever since he's been in the league he's an all-star he's absolutely you know been unleashed and who knew that this version of laurie markinen existed well uh Will Hardy tapped right into it, and you mentioned earlier the the you know the sort of direction of the league and the assets they possess in terms of the guard play. Mike Conley is going to be on a different team over the course of the season. I'm not sure what team is going to be. Maybe not.
0: I mean, they well, might go the other way and and trade for somebody. They're ten and three. Like they can't tank.
1: First team they to ten. Can't. First yeah. team to ten. I, I tell you this: what is stunning when you watch them is the fact that they're all thrown together. It's just like Island of Misfit Toys. Everybody has a reason to have a chip on their shoulder. They've either been screwed over or discarded. So Mike Conley signed up to be part of a team that's taken a run at a championship. Mm -hmm. Next thing you know, he's with this lot of guys. Nikhil Alexander-Walker, discarded. Jordan Clarkson, Colin Sexton, Malik Beasley, Lori Markinen, Talon Horton-Tucker, Vanderbilt. Olenek, uh, on down the line. Even Walker Kessler was drafted by somebody else and then moved, right? Every, there's no homegrown guys. They've never played together before. They're all thrown yeah. together. They've all got this, you know, play for the greater good. It, it The crazy thing to me is that you threw this group together, and they're all good players, but they make each other so much better. This team, like, routinely has, like, 30 assists. In a game. Do you know how hard that is to get guys to share the ball like that every single night? And
0: well, and the clutch stuff too has been jarring with them. They they just they win these games in the last four minutes because they run, they play better with each other than the other team plays with their team. And that's how they, they run over and over again.
2: They beat I've, your team twice. You've got to I see
1: it, right? And no, and it what was crazy is they end up just popping the ball around. They pass up good shot for great shot all the time. And they got guys that can knock them down, right? Like you swing to the corner. Now you're chasing your tail because they throw it to Olenek because they're out five out. And he just throws it over to the wing to Malik Beasley. Bang, he can knock it down. And then they got guys that can drive to the basket and kick. Like, I actually, I was ready to be like, ah, yeah, this is like early flash in the pan type stuff. And then watching them, I was like, damn, man, like (laughs) they play like a good basketball team plays. That's what they play like.
0: Well, House and I lost money on them a couple times early in the year and it <laughs> didn't feel like a fluke. Yeah. It was, it wasn't like, oh man, bad luck. It was like, shit. I just, I bet on, I threw Denver in a money line parlay with a bunch of teams and they lost by 20. <laughs> 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 that yeah. didn't feel like, never that close. might be on me. Yeah. It was never yeah. close. Or, <laughs> That's right. Or like that Memphis game we had. Yep. where Utah was down like six in the last, what, two, three minutes, and then they just made every shot, and they won. The marketing thing, I sold my stock, unfortunately, on him. I was carrying it for years. I Everybody was did. Like, Everybody did. it's the right team for him? Last year, I just lost faith, but, you know, he's never been in the right situation. His per 36 this year is 25, 10, and three. <laughs> he's shooting 53%. How? 65% on two-pointers this year that's like 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 Rudy Gobert where you're just like dunks and layups but it's right. not he's making like yeah. tough fucking shots he looks a little dirkish and you know there's some stats that might say all right this guy might be hot the league's going to figure out things to throw at them but at the very least with him and then with Sexton who Will Hardy looks at and goes you're not playing 36 minutes a night for us you're just not i'll give you 7 minutes a half and then maybe a little more if you're feeling it. But you're going to play between 15 and 26 minutes a game. And that, that'll that be up to you how long you're in. And Sexton's good. He's like a good heat check guy. He's I would have wanted him 36 minutes a night. But on down the line with all the picks they have, Verno, I don't know, man. I don't see them tanking. And I I actually had this written down. I think it's going to be hard for them. I think it's impossible for them to tank. I think it's going to be hard for OKC to tank with SGA playing like this.
1: It's, I mean, it's it's never impossible they will. to tank. They'll oh, figure you, it out. Well, you just got to trade a bunch of guys. That's what they would do. I mean, and, and, and that may be, again, you don't know the way this stuff's going to go, but Danny may look at it and say, this is the absolute best case scenario that I've got all these guys who are all like eight-man rotation guys, but none of them are near... They're, they're probably none of them are the third best player on an amazing team, right? No. And so I'm gonna take these guys and all these teams that are trying to win right now. They all have value, so I can get a for Now I can get a first rounder for frigging Laurie Markkinen, and I can get a first rounder for this. I'm guy, not trading. I'm a, not giving
0: I, away Laurie Markkinen. I I actually think. Oh, I know. I think no, he's a piece. Not. I wanna. I wanna keep him. Yeah, I think. Just looking at, like, big picture, like, how I look at the West, and it's like, I like your team,
1: right? Well, and I was thinking about this, too, uh, though, right? We talk about this tanking stuff all the time, and you know that somebody like Houston, they're going to have a million losses. Like, you're not going to so have more Charlotte, losses than Charlotte, We know but, that team. It's going to be Charlotte, I mean, Houston. Even, there's going to be a couple. Even if you have the absolute worst, the yep. absolute worst record, there's an 86% chance that you don't get that number one pick. Right. And I know that there's Scoot and I know there's Amen Thompson and I know there's this is a good draft right at the, at the top. Okay? But the one guy is the guy that you would it, it, it you people can say, "Well, you could still get Scoot Henderson." But you're not just nah. sacrificing an entire season for the chance that you might get the second draft pick because you might get the 3rd, you might get the 4th. But when you have an 86% chance of not getting the number one pick, I do think it recalibrates how you think about even a team like Utah this year, because, you know, you look and the Pelicans didn't have the worst record. They ended up with Zion. Memphis didn't have the worst record. Their whole franchise changed because they got John Morant. I mean, you know, one of the worst records was the New York Knicks. They ended up with RJ Barrett.
0: Well, part of the like, problem right, so, is Utah's the one seed right now. It's pretty hard I to take when you're the one seed.
1: <laughs> oh, I know, but, and, you're, and and we're and we're hurtling towards a quarter of the way through the season. But you so go
0: through crazy. the West House. I trust. I trust that Denver will be there. They're already eight and three. Remember, it's like, oh, what's wrong with Denver? Well, they're fine. They're eight and three. Phoenix is eight and three, and we, you, me, and Rosillo argued about their over under, and Rosillo was adamant, like they're not going to be twelve games worse than last year. Stop it. He looks like he might be right, although Cam Johnson got hurt. I yeah, uh, like Vern, that, Verno's team, Memphis. That's three. Then it's just like, I don't know. Do I trust Dallas when Luka has the ball 87% of the time? Do I trust the Clippers? I don't know when we're going to see Kawhi again. Do I trust the Warriors who are 0-6 on the road? You go on down the line, New Orleans, I think, is is going to be there, but they can't seem to keep everybody healthy. So I think Utah has to play it out. What do you think, House?
2: Well, I think it's it's fine for them to to play it out. I mean, you know, eleven games in, some uh, uh, unexpected thing will befall them. I want to do a very quick uh, tangent on Phoenix. The Phoenix calculus for us, and and the reason that we went under is because we don't trust Chris Paul to play throughout the regular season. It was just a a, a, a basic yep. bet on them not being able to maintain the health, and they still don't have to me, you know, any kind of replacement at that point guard position that's going to allow them to sustain. So that was the reason for the Phoenix Wager. Hold on. Did
0: you see his stats this year? He's nine and a half points a game. Shooting 36%, 27% from three. He's getting the free throw line 3.4 times. I don't know if we were wrong with being a little suspicious about, you know, he's nine assists a game. The reason that they've been able to stay good is Booker went up a level Yeah, and Booker's yeah. and Booker's gone up a level a little like what we're talking about with Bain where every year but now it's like he's just clearly one of the best 12 guys in the league something like 12, 13, I don't know what the list is, why are you laughing, Verna?
1: I mean, do they get to call Jay Crowder now and ask him, they tell him like, <laughs> hey, you get to start now Right. John, we, we, we got, you some,
0: we got, you, we got you some gold belly. We, <laughs> we sent you he, some pizzas.
1: Or is he
2: like? Is he still mad that he wasn't going to start? And so, <laughs> you know, he doesn't need gold belly. Bianco could bring him some. He's right there.
0: Right. Bianco could no, bring gotta, him some pizza. They got to bring his ass back because, you know, the the fact that the Warriors' season has gone sideways so far. All do right. You so, think,
1: do you think? Do that? Now that's a story because that's a defending champs. Okay. That was my
0: next one on the list. Like, perfect.
1: Do you think I, they bail on the young guys and just throw veterans together for the one last ride with Draymond, Steph, and Clay? Or do you think they keep doing this serve two masters, develop for the future, even though it stinks? Um, and they see th- it through.
0: I think you have to pick Wiseman or Kaminga. It feels like they've picked at least Kaminga to keep giving minutes to. I think they realize you can't give minutes to both of those guys and survive, especially in the road games. I just like, it, it just feels like the Draymond punch was such a terrible way to start the season for them. And it's had them on their heels. And when I watch them, I don't, I just don't see the same joy that they had last year. You know, there, there was, the, especially the first 40 games of last year where it's like, man, these guys really love playing with each other. You know, And then Draymond got hurt. They struggled second half it came back in the playoffs in a real way. But they don't they don't seem the same eye testament. I haven't seen them in person yet. I can't wait to go. I'm going to be studying the huddle, all the stupid shit I look for. But I think that was a traumatic event. And I don't know if they've recovered from it. And I know that's like a guy on the couch thing to say, but they don't seem like the same team emotionally to me, House.
2: I agree. And we, we, we uh, talked about this at the Over Under podcast. I had uh, count, come in prepared to extol the virtues right. of the Warriors. He, they were punched in the face. he did. He punched <laughs> me in the face. And, and it, it's like, shocker, <laughs> there is a chemistry issue, it seems. Now, Bruno's point is the right one. They had a game plan coming into the season, and that game plan yeah. was to see what these young guys were all about and, and to let them you know try and, and, and feel it out. And it's still way too early to be making judgments of, about well, the Warriors.
0: It, the Curry's been incredible. Yeah. So, yes. I, as long as you have that, we'll see what happens with Clay. That's right. I, I think, I think they'll get cutthroat with Draymond with trading him if they feel like that's the move. And we'll, well, the I don't truth. even know who the suitor what is. What about but
2: Draymond start- for Larry Markkinen?
1: Oh, stop! Hey, look, their starting lineup. Is still near the top of the yeah league. their bench is killing It's it. Yeah. It, right they need that's three right. guys they need Otto Porter Gary Payton and some other dude that can keep the ball moving that's right like, that's what, that's what they like they're in search of three more guys and they need Poole to not be terrible he's right. fourth he's literally fourth from the bottom of the league in plus minus there's only three players lower and I think one of them's Wiseman. And then there's the two kids in Houston, which are uh, you know uh,
2: Jabari and and Jalen. Well, Well, Bruno, he's first in in getting punched by a teammate in the face. (laughs) House beat me.
0: House beat me to it. It's almost like he got punched in the face by the emotional leader of the team. Um, All right, one more break, and then I got a couple more. All right, can't believe we didn't talk about this yet, House. This is another. Another storyline. I turned on first take today and they talked about the Lakers again. We can all stop talking about the Lakers. They suck. You know who else might suck? The Timberwolves of Minnesota. I don't know if you've caught a gander, a whiff of their rotor. It's not a great odor. There's not, the the body language doctor, I almost had, I had to take two Advil because my head was throbbing from all of the bad body language stuff that you're seeing in the games, the weird quotes, the Towns monologues, the questions about what kind of shape Edwards is in, the plus minus stats and the possession stats of when Gobert and Towns play together. It's a borderline catastrophe. It's panic time house. I think it is.
2: Well, and that one is fair. See, I'm willing to to, uh, be concerned about Minnesota. I'm not going to give them the benefit of the doubt because they made an all-in move. I mean, an unprecedented, we've all been through it, you've... uh, uh, a judged it one of the worst trades in the history of the league, based on yeah. I, I was much too late. I wish I'd gone further. <laughs> Maybe so, but look, when you go on an all-in move in that manner, then that means you have a conviction, you have a belief, you uh, you looked at what you have in terms of the players, their personalities, the chemistry they have, that head coach in Chris Finch, and you say, we believe that we can take all of this and. Build it. We're going to elevate it with Rudy Gobert. Now, what have any of us seen in a full decade's worth of Rudy Gobert that suggests that that elevation was, was, that he was that kind of guy, that he was going to be a force multiplier? All of us were skeptical. You more so than, 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 than me for sure, and maybe Bruno as well. But they have a problem because Towns and Gobert through a dozen games, can't play together, can't be on the floor together. So, yeah, who
0: could have guessed that? <laughs> Verno <laughs> has could- to host a podcast. It's basically <laughs> like they have those election deniers. He's hosting with a Gobert trade denier. KOC. Look,
1: look <laughs> let me tell you something. I I'm going to get to see this team in person on Friday night.
0: Oh my I, god, oh, what a Friday I, night that is! That's I can, be
1: unbelievable. I I cannot wait. Um, that being said, I covered that playoff series last year. And then that was part of my calculus for what are they doing? Because I thought regardless of my opinion of Rudy Gobert, okay, regardless of that and what I think about it happens to him in the playoffs or whatever, there's Gobert truthers and then there's me and we're probably both too radical.
0: Um, um, I'd like to, can I be with you wherever yeah, you, you can are? Can I, can I stand yeah. next to you? Thank yeah, you. you. You
1: can be with me. I, as a, Observer of a playoff series. Minnesota, 100% could have beaten Memphis last year. I mean, that was a razor-thin margin. And in fact, when Malik Beasley said, we feel like we should have already won this series, not only did I not rip him, I agreed with him. I thought, (laughs) you know what? They did an amazing job on Morant. Amazing. As good a job as you could have possibly wanted. All right? They had... Oh, they had the they had a good combination of star players and grinders, right? The role players and the stars. And kind of everybody had, a pecking order, and they had a couple bad Towns games, and the refs really took over that series. But the truth was, couple a couple bad like,
0: Towns games. A, they, they, a, I was, know. Jesus. But a team, <laughs> what? Like, a team that, that was your analysis of the Towns games? A couple it, bad ones? It was it one of the was, worst performances by it was,
1: anyone. It was a perfect example, though, a perfect example of the problems that they provide other teams with having Towns as a guy that can come down and stand at the top of the key and yeah. shoot threes. He, he played, that they could not play Stephen Adams, right? Who was one of the most effective players on the entire Memphis team. And yeah. if you play a center, he drives past you. If you play a smaller guy, he will, every once in a while, he'll take you down to the block. And now, with you've got another center down there, he's now just... Sam Perkins, just going from three-point line to three-point line, right? He's guarding fours, and he's and he's playing against fours. Yeah, you've, and, re-
0: you've removed the thing that made him special, which was, and, he was a mismatch.
1: And the most important thing is that you didn't even need him to be that good because with him out of the way and you having to honor him because he shoots a high enough percentage, the whole damn thing was open for Edwards, who is the best player on the team. How
0: about this? They traded for the wrong fucking guy in Utah.
1: Nah. I mean,
0: just give, make the same trade and just get Mitchell back instead of Gobert and you're probably better.
1: I just think you look at them and you go, Are, every move that I would make would be with Anthony Edwards in mind. And I yeah. get it. He's young. He's immature, whatever else. But how does this fit? with Anthony Edwards
0: well they sped up the timetable on him and they made it made it seem like he's in like the Tatum right now where we were talking about how Tatum's gonna be 25 he's moving into Edwards is he's a pup he just got into the league like you're getting this adult all NBA center who's a fully finished veteran he's never gonna be better than he is and it's like basically they were like we're a contender for years to come it's like well Edwards has a lot of check marks to go through before we get that. I, and then the Towns thing. I don't well, know. I,
1: I look, Towns is still awesome. And, and is Edwards he? is still awesome. And this is all getting tricked. It reminds me of years ago where everybody got sour on Tatum and Brown because they were playing with Kyrie. Not
0: everybody. Just Yeah, morons. they did. No, no, <laughs> you're yeah, wrong. Yeah, they did. No, yeah, they just did. people that mm. didn't you, watch the Celtics all the time.
1: You tried to trade Tatum for Brad Beal. Stop. What? Everybody everybody, on them. Stop it. What are you, it? What are you talking about? Yes, they about. did. Yes, they, no, they did it.
0: I was wanted them to have a point guard. I, I was like, I'm not not making a decision Kyrie on this tricked, until they have a point guard.
1: Kyrie tricked everybody into thinking those guys weren't as good. And, well, we're not
0: talking about Kyrie. And, House, and now... <laughs> House, should and that, Utah have just traded for Donovan Mitchell? Would that have made this all easier? They just could have given D'Angelo Russell. They could have thrown <laughs> whoever kept Vanderbilt, just put Vanderbilt in all the Gobert minutes. Aren't they better off?
2: Man, and I, that that I, I don't know about that part. And and you know, there there I don't know if there's enough balls to go around. Uh you would get this version of Donovan Mitchell that we're seeing in Cleveland. Like there's a clear role for him in Cleveland, it makes a ton of sense. Uh I don't know yeah, if we good point. got this version of him in Minnesota. But, you know, the 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 thing, if you want to be glass half full about it, you give Chris Finch a little more time. You say they they're they're it, it was a difficult chemistry experiment. I mean Look who's leading the team in per—none other than Rudy Gobert, number one on the team in per. So there are some efficiencies, like those advanced. Did has, has just shot that- per on us? Oh my god! <laughs> it- what just happened? <laughs> uh, I- I- if you want to be glass half full, you say let let them uh, navigate. And and the more interesting thing is, what team will the de- will, will Russell be playing on next? That that's House. that's the question.
0: If, Verna made the key point. If you're doing the and this is what Russell and I said when we were in shock at how dumb this trade was when it happened. If you're doing this trade, this is like the final piece. This is like the yep. Clippers saying, you know what? We're gonna have Kawhi and Paul George together. We're gonna win the title or come close with these two guys. For everything they gave up, it still was, there Were I had like real questions. It was like, wait, can Gobert and Towns play together? Is Edwards going to be ready? Who are going to be your glue guys now? You just threw all of them in this trade. What is your team going to look like? Wait, don't you still have D'Angelo Russell? It left us with nine more questions and watching them before the season, there was this huge piece, I think it was in The Athletic, this big victory lap about the Gobert trade. How, here's how it all came together. It was like they were talking about like the Normandy invasion. It's like, can we see these guys play together well for ten minutes? Can, can just be before you, you're all like popping the champagne on what a brilliant trade this was. And I watched those two guys together, and they don't make sense to me. They don't make sense for how basketballs played in twenty twenty two. They don't make sense for just how they complement one another. And as Verno said, they've removed Towns's most important advantage, which was his mismatch potential. He's no
1: longer a mismatch. So what the fuck was the point of the trade? That's they my also, rant. They, they also, I mean, look, their their starting lineup was devastating last year. Mm, it was. It was. Like, they yeah. had great numbers. Like, it was good. Now, you might say, well, was it wasn't championship good, but I don't know. I mean, the the, the winner of that, they would have given Golden State some problems for sure. Golden State didn't have anybody that could deal with Edwards. They didn't have anybody that could deal with him. Can I ask
0: you this question? Yeah. They don't have their pick this year. They're closer to the bottom than the top. I'll just say that. They're five and seven. Rockets are two and 10. I think the Lakers and the Rockets are going to be the two worst teams in the West, but that number <laughs> three spot's up for grabs. I would officially what? be focused on this if I was a Minnesota fan. It was like, wait a second. We're not going to be like the eighth worst team in the league. And then Stop. all of a sudden be that team that jumps up. And now we lost one, but Yama. there's some teams whose there's some fan bases whose sphincters during that lottery. Like, can you imagine being a Laker fan during that lottery? How tight your sphincter is going to be? Being like, please, God, no. please. <laughs> You think, oh, they're God, gonna have no.
1: this, you think they are not going to have the second worst record? You think they're going to have a worse record than like in the Og- West? Oklahoma yeah, City? LeBron's already hurt.
0: LeBron made it 10 games. He's played 60,000 minutes. He's already hurt. Davis <laughs> is checked out and then some, he looks like he's <laughs> trying to play where he doesn't have to bump into anybody during the game.
1: They're not um, going to have a worse record by the time it's all said and done. They'll have a better record than San Antonio and Oklahoma and,
2: City and yeah. Oklahoma City. Of course, of course. And, and let's not rule out Utah. I mean, you know, let's see how Utah plays out.
0: My last crazy storyline, and then we'll go. Um, I the Luca, just the numbers, the usage stats, the eye test of how they're using them, Where it's like they, they looked at all the Harden Houston stuff, and they're like, "What? Hold my beer. Watch this." <laughs> and he's thirty-five a game, and he's. from three. Like if you just gave him one more three out of 10 a game, he'd be at like 37, 38 a game. He's kind of circling around the highest points per game total. We've seen since Jordan. I remember house, we talked about this in one of the over under pods about the scoring title. And I think Luca was the guy we were looking at. And I think the odds were like half decent, but right now he's 35, eight and eight. He's absolutely magnificent to watch night to night, but it's the same issues down the stretch. He's doing everything. He's taking these fall away 28 footers. They're six and four. I think it's going to be a great individual season, but I don't, I'm just not a fan of this type of basketball. If if my goal is to win a title and I have Giannis is the biggest asset in the league. I think Luke is second. I just don't think this style comes close to winning a title
2: house. The, the problem is it looks like, through these first you know 10, 12 games, a treading water season for them. And yeah. they don't really have the luxury of treading water with Luca, because, you know, we haven't yet seen the ceiling. Like the 35 points, we did have a reasonable basis for I, I definitely did bet him to win the scoring title, by the way, after mm. we talked about it. I definitely have a little little splash on that one. But you know, all of the questions that we had coming in was how do you replace Brunson? And it was both tangibles and intangibles. And so far, we don't really have a good answer. The, the JaVale McGee experiment is already a failure. He's going to yeah. be on an, another team soon enough. And, and Dinwiddie, Christian,
0: Dinwiddie's having a good year for them, and so's Christian Wood, and there still doesn't feel It's 100%. just not enough. It's just yeah. not
2: enough. They're just treading water. Because the West is, is really effing good. I mean, even with the unexpected... Um, great performance out of Portland and the, the you know, the out-of-nowhere performance by Utah, at some point, you know, as the West sort of reconvenes uh, around the, the true teams that are going to be the top eight, it's going to be tough.
0: Well, they, they also, they Verna, they're dealing with tragedy they have to put you know they're playing this season with heavy hearts after the deaths of Reggie Bullock and Tim Hardaway Jr. Oh come on. Come
3: um, on. They, they, I mean there's
0: there's gra- zombies are playing in their place but I, you know it's hard you're playing with zombies you're wondering what happened to the human
1: beings it's strange. Here here's the crazy thing is he's averaging 35 8 and 8 like he might be happy. He might be happy. Like you know what I mean he gets the ball every damn play. He has the ball every time they go down the court. He's averaging 35, 8, and 8. They win some games. And the truth is, like, I was thinking about this the other day. I have no idea how Luka feels about anything. Right. Like, is, have you ever, have we ever had someone that's that big a deal? I mean, maybe Jokic, because I don't really know what Jokic feels about anything. <laughs> You know what I'm saying? Like these guys. At least
0: he has cool brothers that were like, hey, you're just brothers. He's got something.
1: Yeah, right. But there's like never a headline. There's never a, here's what he said about this. Like, it's bizarre. It's like he just really plays basketball and then just goes about his business. And you kind of know the way they play. And he's got these crazy numbers. But I have no idea his level of content (laughs) going on with it. I don't even know if he ever speaks. I'm sure I could go seek it out, but I just never am aware of it. Like he's not on, he's not on social media, really like not saying yeah. anything. And even like, even when you hear an interview, it's like not much was really said. So like, I don't even, I don't know how he would feel about it anyway. He might be fine. Averaging 35. Well, we know,
0: we <laughs> know he likes sweet tea and, we, he know he, too.
2: and
0: yeah. we know he was listening to Migos since 2010. <laughs> Even though they <laughs> formed in 2013. Oh no, that was LeBron.
1: Oh no. Oh man.
0: <laughs> oh man. Oh, that first year in Miami. I love Bigos.
1: Oh, whoops. But I don't know. I, look, look. Did you ever feel like James Harden was unhappy averaging a million points and assists and everything no, he's, else in Houston? Super happy. No. Yeah. Yeah. Like, that's the guy that is happy. Everybody else should be the one that's pissed off. Like, bro, <laughs> I touch the ball like once an hour. <laughs> well.
0: <laughs> As I said earlier, like, it actually feels like this season could get better because he's 35 a game, but he's really shooting threes terribly. Like he's shooting threes at like a Russell Westbrook level. And if that gets hot for a month, he could have a month where he averages like 40 a game.
1: I hope everybody keeps that same energy when his team is middle of the pack team, but he's got these freaky numbers.
2: Well, they're. Look, they're 6-4, Uh, 60% wins is 49, I mean, 60% is 49 wins, 49-50 wins, that's, that feels right to me. That's, I think, the right round they're over-under Uh, for the season, I mean, then that puts right. them in the middle of the pack of the West.
0: We're going to go, water? but before, before we do, as always, it's a tradition, when we have House on in November, he gets 40 seconds to talk about the Washington Wizards, which is probably 20 seconds more than they deserve.
2: Oh, I don't need. I don't need forty seconds on the Wizards. We're going to have a new owner of the football team here in Washington. It's a revelation. It's been a, an absolute. I've been so uh, 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 quiet about it. I've really tried to maintain my enthusiasm, but my God, I can taste it. You can feel from all of the corners the forces coming together and driving away the Lucifer that has sat with his red butt cheeks on top of our burgundy and, and, and gold franchise and flatulated <laughs> all over. He's about to be gone. The stench is about to be gone. The team's coming back to Washington, D.C. Jeff Bezos is going to write an $8 billion check, and we are going to have football again in the nation's capital.
1: <laughs> I'm so happy. Wait, is that is does that, everybody there think it's going to be Bezos?
2: I don't know what any, anybody thinks. No. It's still early days. That's what I think. I, a I guy think who it's... can write a big check, that's what I think.
0: I think it's gonna be the Red Sox owners.
2: That's oh, why they just sold that soccer team. I
0: th- I think they've wanted to get in football for a while. Oh. And I thought that Liverpool thing was very suspicious, the mm. timing of that. Mm. Cause they need to make a shitload of money from Liverpool to put toward though what is Washington gonna go for? Like six billion? Seven billion? He
2: asked for seven. And you know, that no, price Somebody's tag gonna is- pay that. Somebody's going to pay it, of course, and then you have to add on an extra billion and a half to build the rebuild the stadium at RFK, which is the thing that will deliver that new owner the fandom from like you know, a hundred mile radius. Everybody will be in love immediately with the new owner if they put the, the team back in the stadium at that site. Can I give
0: you Verno my favorite wizard stat, please? In this league of guards and three point shooting. The Wizards are at thirty point six percent as for as a team with three point shooting this year. They make less than nine a game, and if you go through their stats, everybody's bad. Will Barton leads the team right now with three fifty from three point land. I, the Wizards to me are like a we have the do not bet list. They're just a do not watch. I don't need. I don't want to watch one minute of them.
1: Wait, so, yeah, what's, that's, what's what's Beal shooting?
0: Oh, man. Beal is, uh, well, he's shooting 52%, but 32.5 from three.
2: He can't oh. stay on the floor. It's the same 21. old thing. He lo- yeah. He's so happy. Beta Beal found his place. His whole career, he's <laughs> he got so, his so happy. Got Beta Beal, check. he got a gigantic check, an outsized check. You should, they should have walked in, you know, a 10-foot by 12-foot check for the man with all of the bells and whistles that they gave him. I mean, he's a he's a unicorn in the league. The only guy... In the under this collective bargaining regime, that hit the bare minimum of the metrics to be eligible for that contract, they gave the whole thing to him. I, I got not be, even I, a top twenty player in the league.
1: Look, they uh, they were they were in Memphis last weekend. I went to the game and like from the second quarter to the beginning of the fourth quarter, I was shopping for basketball cards on eBay.
2: Sure, I wasn't even. I mean, I what do That's
0: I care? There right. that. That sounds that sounds way more fun than the Wizards.
2: I it, do enjoy going to the games, though. I went to the first two games. I enjoyed both of it. Very calm. You don't, you know, you can go have a nice thing to eat. You come watch the other team, oh. sit right close by the other team. So, <laughs> I have a nice time going to now, those that, games. That's a guy that
1: Verna. got
3: free tickets. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> he talked you know. about how enjoyable it was to go to the game. Shut up. You got some free <laughs> tickets. There's your ad for the Washington Wizards. <laughs> Corey, Corey, Corey
0: Kispert and Dino Abdijah have played a combined 39.5 minutes a game and they're shooting 35%. Johnny Davis has played 30 minutes total, your lottery pick. Who? Not my lottery pick. Just was was a bust, right? Is he just a
2: bust? It's hard to say, but right. you know, There's I has been no very good at, at all. Oh, we got this guard from the Big Ten who's supposed to be, oh my God, seriously. All right, we got to
0: go. All right. Verno, we can hear you in the mismatch. House wait, here at the Ringo Gambling Show tomorrow.
2: Wait,
1: I don't even get the impression. I figured I was having to come on here so you could make fun. I, I don't know
0: if I could do that again. I I, I don't know where it that was. was really from. good. It, it was one good. of my
1: best impersonations
0: I've ever done. I just did it. I ad libbed it. And that was it. I was just feeling it. I I'm gonna spring it some other time.
1: You're master of your craft.
0: Thank you. Good to see you guys. All right, guys. All right, the Ringers, Benjamin Solak is here, fan of the undefeated Philadelphia Eagles. I think this has been one of the weirdest, if not the weirdest, gambling prognostication, (laughs) trying to figure out what's going to happen seasons. Yep. Culminating in this Munich Bowl we're going to have this weekend where Tampa is favored by three over Seattle. I watch football every week. Seattle's better than Tampa. Tampa's a mess. Tampa's favored by three. And at this point, it just makes perfect sense. But we have all these variables this week. We have this Tampa team. Do they suck? I don't know. The Packers have lost five straight. They're the biggest underdogs they've been at Lambeau in forever. What do we do with that? Jeff Saturday is now the Colts coach. Unintelligible. Josh Josh Allen, he might have a torn ulnar nerve. He might not. He might not play. He might play. Um Tua's had two concussions. They have the best offense in the league. If he gets hit one more time, he's out for the year. Vegas lost, got shut out by the Saints, Mm -hmm. and now they're favored by five and a half to the Colts, which are the worst team I've watched all year. And no Hunter Renfro, and they have no players and. I'm just I look at the slate and I'm like, this just feels like a massive stay away across the board. But we're not going to do that. We're not staying away. But what is the biggest unknown variable that you're the most afraid of?
3: Uh, I would love to have a good beat on Rams Cardinals because McVay has historically owned Cliff Kingsbury. That Cardinals team feels like they're a powder keg, feels like it's close. Uh that may be just like a little bit of like hard knocks narrative building, but it certainly has over the last few weeks. And oh, Hopkins is back. We're fine. Oh wait, no, we're not fine. We can't beat the Seahawks again. Like that Cardinal team feels like they're on the precipice. And with the way that McVeigh has dominated them, it feels like a great smash spot for the Rams. And then Matthew Stafford gets put in the concussion protocol on Tuesday. And I don't know what to do with that. I also don't know what to do with Kyler Murray hamstring, holding him out of Wednesday practice. We don't know what he's done yet on Thursday. Like, we could see Colt McCoy versus John Walford and the losing team is absolutely removed from contention in the NFC West. A ridiculous game. I would love to be able to bet that one, but I'm not sure I can.
0: Would you rather bet on Arizona if Colt McCoy was the quarterback getting more points or Kyler with a strained hamstring playing and they're like plus two? Or you could have healthy Colt McCoy and they're like plus four and a half because we're not going to pick this game in million dollar picks today. But on Sunday, if McCoy's the quarterback and that line's over mm-hmm. four, I think I would grab the Cardinals. It's not like Murray's been playing well. Is there a difference? Yeah.
3: It, no, it's it's very weird. The, the other thing about this is that they're both uh, very good run defenses, the Rams and the Cardinals, and then they're both poor running teams offensively. They're also both terrible passing defenses. So the question is, let's say both coaches have to play their backup quarterback. Who's going to be smarter and choose to throw the football, even though the backup's in? that team's probably going to win. And in that question, I kind of a little bit lean cliff in terms of just being pass happy, asking DeAndre Hopkins to kind of win on the outside. I think Colt is a little bit more trustworthy than John Wolford is in terms of the body of work we've seen. So if we get McCoy versus Walford, I will probably be on the Cardinal side of things Me too. more than a field goal. However, I won't feel good about myself while I'm doing it. I'm
0: telling you, you we always talk about kitchen sink games. If mm-hmm. Kyler gets scratched and they have Colt McCoy against the Rams, this turns into a kitchen sink game for Cliff. Yep. He's pulling out his best five plays of the season. He's like, I'm, I'm making this work. I want to I run win without Kyler.
3: He tried to pull the, uh, the old double pass screen to James Conner. They did it in the playoffs last year against the Rams. Got flagged for a legal forward pass. And he tried to yank it out against the Seahawks in a dire situation last week. Got flagged for double pass again. <laughs> they can't install this play. They can't make it work. It's very pitiful.
0: I have loved wagering against them this season. There's been some teams that have just gobble-smacked me, like the Jaguars, the Panthers, mm-hmm. the Bengals a couple times. But the the old reliable has been go against the Cardinals.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Just that you're, The Seahawks beat them twice. We had them on here, and it's just been wonderful. But go, speaking of Seattle, so Tampa favored by three in this game. The Rams have the ball last Sunday. They need one first down, the game's over because Tampa's blown it. They've once again fucked up in the red zone. They have one of the worst, this is the worst red zone offense Brady's ever had. And now it's like, all right, Rams, get 10 yards, you win the game. And they they can't run the ball. So Tampa ends up stealing the game in the last minute. If the Rams get a first down, a Seattle favorite in this game,
3: I don't, I mean, like a, a first down should not cost three points. And so if it is, that's bad bookkeeping. So I don't think they'd be favored. I just No, but think, I'm saying like if yeah. they,
0: if the Rams get the first down, Tampa loses. Tampa's coming off a loss. It's mm-hmm. the whole narrative of, oh my God, the Bucs are actually done. Hey, Seattle, they're good. They've won four straight. And I feel like Seattle would be favored by like two and a half because Tampa won that game. They're like, right. oh, Bucks, maybe they're back. My point is, I don't think they're back. I think the Rams should have no. finished them off and they didn't.
3: Nothing about that Tampa Bay game uh, felt good, felt impressive by an execution standpoint offensively. uh, Defensively, they were better than I thought they would be. Uh, I was on Rams team total over in that game, thought they'd be able to pick on the the banged up secondary a little bit better. Uh, But they've started to figure out, I think, some of the issues with not having Antoine Winfield there. They busted on the Long Cooper Cup touchdown. But other than that, they kind of shored things up. So I think like defensively, okay, maybe they look a little bit better and you feel good about that. Offensively, like... Uh, they're suffering for drops. They're suffering for routes at the wrong depth. The, the pressure is still an issue from the interior. Like, they are not nearly the well-oiled machine that they usually are in the passing game, especially by this time in the season. And on top of that... What would they have, uh, six
0: Six drops?
3: I think it was, I think it was five or six, depending on what charting service yeah. you looked at in that one game. So yeah. So there's ways you talk yourself into it, but it just hasn't been a clean operation since week one. And they still continue to run the football. Leonard Fournette is their primary passing down back. The beats are reporting this week over oh, Rashad White might take over the role. He's been trying. He deserves it. He's been better than Lenny since week three. I will believe that they're gonna give the rookie the run the moment I see it. I don't think Tom wants it. I don't think Lenny wants it. I don't think that Byron Leftwich wants it. And for every snap they give Leonard Fournette, it's just kind of another dead, dead, uh, useless snap. I I agree with you. Like I watch football every week. Seahawks have been a better team for for quite some time now at this point, point. and I think that there's still residuals from the Seahawks' horrible defensive start to the season sitting around in a lot of models. You got if you go back and watch the film, they change the way they play their front. They change the way their front seven works. In week five, and since that moment, they've been a solid defense. So, I'm I, the, the first four weeks don't really concern me too much for the Seahawks defense. I trust them, I trust Geno a ton. I trust Geno to beat the blitz, I trust Geno to beat man coverage. This, I mean, this was a Seahawks spot the moment the line opened.
0: Seahawks last four weeks, second in defensive DVOA to your point. Mm-hmm. And the eye test backs it up. Now, they played the Cardinals twice in those four weeks, but they're fast and they can tackle. And what do they have? Five, five guys from that draft. Starting
3: yep. right now, so the two tackles, Charles Cross, and, and the two cornerbacks, two corners, Tariq Woolen outside, and Kobe Bryant in the nickel, and then Kenneth Walker, who's the running back, starts. They also rotate Boye Mafe in, who's their second round pick at edge. So uh yeah, it's a, as draft classes go, <laughs> it's a special one. It's really yeah. incredible to watch.
0: Schrager, who couldn't be with us today, I saw him on Good Morning Football saying it was the best draft class since the Seahawks ten years ago, two thousand twelve. Or same kind of thing where they instantly transform their team. The other thing is Tampa has only had 13 touchdowns this year. They've kicked 22 field goals, which leads the league. But when you watch them over, they're like from the 20 yard line to the 20 yard line, they're fine. But then as soon as they get in the red zone, you can see like he doesn't know where to go. He's throwing like Scotty Miller on crosses across the end zone and um, tight ends you've never heard of in traffic. And the same Mike Evans slant into the end zone that everybody knows is coming. And I I just, Mm -hmm. I think if this is a tight game, I've just watched Seattle over and over again win these games and they're resilient and they're well-coached. The only thing is there's some stuff, because I I really tried to research. I didn't understand the line. There's some stuff about the time zone seems to be factoring into this from going from Seattle to Germany in one week.
3: Yeah, and it's it's a huge time zone jump. It really is. If you look at Pete, across the course of his career in the, East, in the Eastern time zone, right, on the East Coast. He tends to be against the spread a little bit above 50-50, which is like a good number. Like, okay, a little bit above 50-50, not great. Well, when you're going from the West Coast to the East Coast, it's a difficult jump. Most coaches are bad in that instance. Also, when he's an underdog going from West Coast to East Coast, he tends to be good. He's played one London game. They were three-point favorites over, over the Oakland Raiders at the time, one by 24 you know, like uh, mm. Pete's a good coach. Pete's been coached for a long time. If there's a coach I'm going to kind of trust to understand what to do with their team in terms of dealing with the time lapse, Pete's pretty high up there. Uh, and So, uh, Carroll's an underdog, and Carroll on the road have tended to be okay bets across the course of his career. So, I don't I don't mind it too much. It's just, right, like, you'll know pretty quickly if the legs are dead. And that's why, you like, I like the Seahawks on this line pregame if you're able to watch this game live, I'll I'll be in church in the morning, but if you're able to watch the game live, it's a good live bet game because you're going to be able to see, okay, one of these teams just did not physically get into the game the way that they needed to.
0: All right, Kyle, turn the camera on. You're an Eagles fan. The Eagles are plus 185 to win the NFC Championship. Which of these teams, as an Eagles fan, are you the most afraid to see in the playoffs right now? I will give you San Francisco 5 to 1, Dallas plus 550, Minnesota 6 to 1, Tampa plus 750, or Seattle 17 to 1 right now to win the uh, NFC. Out of those five, who are you the most afraid of?
3: I'm the most afraid of San Francisco. Uh, San Francisco's been there before, right? They've been down this road two times in the last four years. This might be another time for them. So they've been in the playoffs defensively. Every time I sit down, I go, okay, who's got the tools to stop this Miami offense, man? Who's got the tools to stop this Eagles offense? Who's got the tools to stop this Buffalo offense? I go back to an elite four-man rush, and then a great zone team drop seven. And that's just San Francisco. So when they're healthy, you know, the potential to get Dre Greenlaw back this season, they, they have such cohesiveness in the back end, and then such a cardinal trait. I was talking about this with Shield on Philly Special about the, the ability to have just takeover guys in the playoffs. Do you have a, a unit or an individual who can just win you a football game, win you a matchup? Like Who who has to get planned around? We start to get to those really unique, bespoke, catered game plans in the playoffs. You look at the Niners, and you find yourself a Debo Samuel, a Christian McCaffrey, a Nick Bosa, and a Fred Warner. It's just takeover guys. It's it, They're such a headache team. Uh, so I think they're very well suited defensively to deal with the top offenses that they might find, NFC or AFC, in the playoffs. Uh, and I think they also have the matchup guys on their side of the ball, on offense, that are such a headache to prepare for on a week by week basis. Niners scare me the most.
0: What's interesting about that, if that was San Francisco, Philly is two teams that are way better in the first half. It would be there would be some jockeying to see who who yep. wants to take the seventeen nothing lead that the other team can then come back from. I think that Seattle odds are off that seventeen to one because yeah, everyone's kind of penciling in San Francisco to the NFC West title. And they've already had a lot of injuries. They have guys coming back, which would be the case to take them this week. But sometimes, I don't know, man, that injury bug can kind of get in the air and it just kind of never stops. It's such a long season. And that team just seems to have bad luck with keeping dudes on the field. Plus, they have dudes Kittle, Debo, and McCaffrey. Do you trust those dudes to play 10 weeks at Awero, much less 13 or whatever they need at this point? I don't.
3: Yeah, Kittle's the one who... I haven't seen I don't think we've seen like a hundred percent fully healthy Kittle in years. Like if you just look at numbers wise, like he's just not the same receiver that he was. Blocking wise, he doesn't seem the same to me. Like he's the one that that I think has really fallen off by injury. I will say that like right now when we kind of you you go through the Niners skill position players and you go, okay, Debo scares me, and McCaffrey scares me. And then the next thought is always Kittle. The Brandon IUK film this season's been awesome, man. And I was not an Ayuk fan coming out. I thought he was a limited player, I thought he was a one trick pony. I thought the the unwillingness and weakness as a blocker was always going to keep him in Shanahan's doghouse. That, that young man blocks. He is a complete wide receiver. He does a very good job running the downfield routes like some of the most the new stuff that you used to see in this offense. Kittle, not what he used to be. You watch Ayuk, you see a really dangerous players. So they, they've got guys in the stables.
0: I have him on a couple teams. He's been good, Ayuk. He's been a, been a couple lot of, fun. of the Really impressive things. film. A couple more games. Can we skip Bears-Lions?
3: I'm on the over. But yeah,
0: it seems like everyone's on the Bears. I like the Bears, but then looking at some of the some of the money stats, yeah. there's like nobody on Detroit, so I'm I'm crossing them off. Browns, Miami, I don't want to cross off, and I like this one because I think there's a case for both teams, and I can see the case against the Browns, but I kind of like the Browns anyway. Cleveland's D- DVO is fifth last four weeks. Miami's won their last five games by 19 total. They beat Pittsburgh by six just now, Detroit by four, and Chicago by three. And people are like, "Miami, look out!" It's like, "All right, can right?" I don't know if I need to look out. I'll look. I like what <laughs> I see. Tyreek's been amazing. You got two of going. Their defense is twenty seventh defensively in DVOA. Cleveland's pasty is okay. It's fifteenth, but they 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 finally have Garrett back, and they have some of their pieces back at least. Miami's offense is second in DVOA, but um. I think at Cleveland they're three and five. Gave away the Jets game. That game is done. Nick Chubb falls mm. down. That's a win. They're four and they're they're at that point they're four and four. They blew the Atlanta game.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: They blew the Chargers game. They, oh, I
3: forgot they that really Chargers could, game. Yeah. They
0: really could be six and three, you know. Mm-hmm. And the Pats like beat the shit out of them. And then people were kind of off on Cleveland, but um, they're getting three and a half against Miami. I like the hook. I think they could win the game outright and. I like him. Should I be more scared of this Miami team?
3: I'm not sure. Uh, I I don't think scared is necessarily it because i think cleveland can go punch for punch in terms of of points scored right i'm on the over in this game i like cleveland's ability to move the ball both on the ground miami's got a pretty good run defense right ninth by epa per play allowed uh, in the running game uh but cleveland just tends to work whenever you know what i'm saying this cleveland running game tends to be either we have a really good game or a good game and that's you know we don't really get much lower than that so i feel good about the running game passing game wise i feel great miami plays a ton of man coverage they're banged up in the secondary. They've been playing Eric Rowe because they had uh, Brandon Jones go down. They're playing uh, Kahua because they've had injuries. to Byron. Uh, Byron Jones has gone down. Brandon Jones has gone down. It's, it's a banged up secondary, and they still insist on playing man. Jacoby Brissett's been pretty good against man coverage this year. He's good at taking his matchups, pushes the ball downfield. So I think you see a lot of points. What worries me, if we're fading Miami, is that the Browns are the worst run defense in the league. Uh, I don't know if it's Raheem M- Mostert. I don't know if it's Jeff Wilson. I just know that some back in this Miami backfield is going to have the opportunity to rip off explosives in a big way. Uh, This Miami, this Cleveland defensive front is so easy to move off the ball. And while the Miami offensive line, certainly I wouldn't go and be like, they're super great. They're very trustworthy. I love them. They've been getting better week in and week out. And the running game has improved as as this offense has been installed. I'm I'm at a point where it's hard for me to fully trust a Cleveland team to carry a win. Fully trust them to kind of carry a spread because they have such a clear weakness. And McDaniel used to be the running game coordinator for the Niners. He knows how to pick on this. So I like totals in this game. I like points in this game more than I like any particular side. I could see this being like a final possession sort of thing, like the Bears were, right? They were four point dogs and they were just going three, seven, three, seven, three, seven, right? Just back and forth on that line. I, I could see the same sort of thing in this one.
0: What if I offered you a same game parlay? I love them. If the Browns win, do we think the game goes over? Do you think those two things have to happen together?
3: I I, I think the game just goes over, period. So, yeah, I, that, that doesn't bother me too much.
0: Okay. Well, right now, Browns and the over is plus 339. Browns to win the game outright with the over. over. Plus
3: 339.
0: Yeah, it's it's over. It says 49 and a half now.
3: Oh, wow. Yeah, so it's been, it's been moving for the last couple of days. Uh
0: and then you put I, in the yeah. Chubb anytime touchdown, which would probably yeah. push that to about six to one, and I think you're good to go.
3: Yeah, I, I mean, like, I I don't mind that at all. It sounds eerily similar to the same sort of stuff that I usually build on on Saturday night and Sunday morning. You get uh, a Browns running back touchdown into a Browns team total over, and most days of the week you're cooking with, with gas. There, it just depends on what your final legs are. I uh, I, as you know, I'm I'm I'm. I like this Miami team a lot. I like this this Miami yeah. passing attack a lot. So I, I, the Browns money line, again, it's just to me, it ends up being like a who scores okay. last sort of thing. And that's what freaks me out. Um, but for the odds, I think you're getting good value.
0: All right. I might put them in underdog parlay. Dallas in Green Bay. We can do this one quickly. So the case of, I, you know, we the home, bigger home dogs this year have been really dangerous to go against. Mm-hmm. And we've seen a lot of FU performances by the big home dogs. On the flip side, Dallas is just way better than Green Bay. Gary's got scratched today. Yep. All their receivers are hurt. Rodgers is a mess. What's the Aaron Jones situation?
3: I I have not seen an update on Aaron Jones as of Thursday. I know that we have no Dobbs. I know we have no Stokes. I know we have no Rashawn Gary. I don't expect David Bakhtiari for the game. I haven't seen I'm looking at Aaron Jones right That's now. It's an awesome defense.
0: Now. And here's the other thing, and this is why I really want to put the Dallas money line with something. You know these Lambo games—they're like religious experiences. You go, and there's eighty thousand Packer fans, and it's freaking awesome, and they all love the team. I think there's going to be some Dallas fans at this game.
3: That's you know, there's going to be people. Rivalry,
0: yeah, there's going to be people that sold their tickets. They don't want to go. The Packers have lost five in a row. Maybe like, oh, I can pay for my. I feel like there's going to be Dallas fans, and I think there's going to be a weird vibe. And I think it's going to be a depressing game. And I think Dallas's defense is. I just mm-hmm. think Green Bay's offense is bad. And Dallas's defense against this offense, I don't care where they're playing. So I, the money line to me is a lights-out opportunity here. And yeah, normally exactly. I'd be like, no, Rodgers, home dog, can't count him out. But I, I think that's actually stupid.
3: Right. And I also, I, I would I like that mentality in the event that I think Aaron Rodgers really wants to and cares about winning football games. I'm not sure that's not. the case currently, yeah. Right. you know what I'm saying? Like, I, I don't. When I, when I watch that Packers film, because I've been watching week in and week out at this point, just because it's kind of like, you know it, it's it's you, you watch it for the cringeworthiness of it, you're kind of watching it through your fingers. He's just lazy. It's just not he's not uh, in tune with the offense. He doesn't care what he's reading. He gives on RPOs that he should keep, he keeps on RPOs he should give. The Alan Lazard touched uh, interception, right? He was thrown into the end zone. He sidearm flicks it and it goes off a guy's helmet, and then he throws a hissy pit. You know what to do. Throw it over the top. You've been a league for thirteen years. So I, yeah. I, I don't see an engaged player, and so like Oh, let's get up for this Cowboys game and win for the home crowd. I like if he does, sure, but I'd be surprised. Uh, Jones limited Wednesday and then limited again on Thursday. So so far capped reps. So I think he's probably going to see him play. I might be a little bit more of a uh, two headed backfield there with Dylan. But this this Dallas defense against what's a banged up offensive line has been underperforming offensive line. I, the 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 disparity in the trench really makes me think the Packers are going to struggle to move the ball running. And that's how the only way they've moved the ball over the last four weeks. Love Dallas. Love Dallas minus five. Every teaser I have this week has got a Dallas leg.
0: Rodgers has been so lazy as a quarterback this year that the Sixers are trying to sign him because they feel like yeah, he could fit absolutely. right in with their yeah. defense.
3: Yeah, just a little isolation um, dribble would be great.
0: Would Are you intrigued? Well, I know this because we were texting. You're <laughs> as intrigued by the freaking Jaguars getting a ton of points against Kansas City as I am.
3: Yeah, and talk I'm so about not annoyed. learning our lesson.
0: <laughs> I'm so annoyed that the Jaguars are trying to seduce me yet again. They have 203 first downs, which leads the league?
3: Extremely. So, like, it's it, it's a little bit because they don't generate explosives, right? Which is, like, actually a bad th- a bad sign. Like, they have so many first downs because they get, like, 13 yards every three plays and so they're always just kind of like inching and and making more first downs per drive than they should the thing is is this is a something's got to give game you brought up the tampa bay uh performance in the red zone jaguars bottom five and score rate in the red zone top five and turnover rate right all they do is they get down within the 10 yard line trevor lawrence gives the ball away travis Etienne fumbles the football they've had such bad luck that feels regression heavy whereas the Chiefs' defense, third in red zone efficiency, third worst, that is. They give up a touchdown on over 70% of those red zone drives. So a Jags bet, once again, comes down to, all right, they're gonna get inside the 20. They're gonna get inside the 10. They do this. Will they score? Or at the very least, not turn the ball over so you can get three on the board instead of zero? If so, like, on, 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 like you look at like uh, you know common FPI models in terms of, of points expected, the Jags are within nine and a half points of the Chiefs. They just have to not make mistakes in the red zone. So every time I bet on the Jags, I get bit by this. But hopefully, there's a little bit of demons' exercise. I think Travis Etienne has an enormous game against this Chiefs running defense. I know it's been twenty plus carries, one hundred twenty plus yards in back-to-back weeks, but these been- numbers going up, man. I, he's gonna he's gonna kill on this defense.
0: He's been really good for a couple of weeks. And what's interesting is the first couple of weeks he had drops, he had fumbles, like, but he, they, they were going to him. Yeah. It just took him what a month to get going.
3: And he still does. Like you, you yeah. like again, like film wise, he'll have a dumb drop. He'll have a, a, a read where like there's a clear alley and he won't take it. Like, what are you looking at? Still knucklehead stuff. One of the things that I think is good about this Jags offensive coaching staff is they're letting him grow through that letting Lawrence grow through that. They're very much acting like it's a rookie season in terms of how much time they're giving guys to kind of figure stuff out.
0: I say this with all due respect to the Chiefs and the fact that we're in Kansas City. The line's too high. The line mm-hmm. should be seven or seven and a half. But because it's Jacksonville who loves to screw up every game and it's Kansas City at home, they can bump this to nine and a half and it'll probably even go to ten. And they're they know teams everybody's gonna do three team team or stuff like that. We could we could tease Jacksonville up higher and grab even more points. We could take this into like the plus fourteen and a half range and you could do a parlay on FanDuel right now where it's Dallas money line and it's Jacksonville plus 14 and a half and that's plus 113 and it's yes. like that's that's a lot of points for a team to to not you know, basically you're saying they're going to lose by 15 points or more for a team that's going to move the ball offensively we can at least say that unless Lawrence just has his Philly meltdown where he's just dropping the ball every play
3: Right, but even then, like you, the Philly thing was all about the weather. They played in a little bit of bad weather against, uh, I guess, the Raiders. And he was okay, and you don't, yeah. Uh, but- in terms of forecasts that I've looked at, I don't see any weather for Kansas City right now. And so, if we're avoiding Trevor Lawrence's kryptonite, which is water from the sky, this has been a really good offense consistently. It's Just they've always burned us when we relied on them.
0: All right, let's talk about the Colts. Must we? They're the worst team I've seen this year. Last week in that Patriots game, they were so bad and Mac Jones was so bad that the only reason the Pats didn't win by 100 points was because Mac Jones sucked. But the Colts do nothing well. They can't block anymore. Their quarterback can't make plays. They don't have Jonathan Taylor. They've lost guys on both sides. They fired half of their coaching staff at this point. And they just hired an ESPN analyst. I actually honestly think Mina Kimes would have been a better choice than Jeff Saturday, but whatever, Saturday has the Colts ties, Mina doesn't. Um, I've never seen a situation like this. I've never seen a team say, you always thought the head coach in the NFL, you always thought that spot mattered. Well, watch this. It's It's not about being in the league. It's not about working your way up. It's just about like, Giving good speeches before the game, and just the way you carry yourself and your attitude—that's what matters with coaching. They're asking this guy who's never done—I think—one of the hardest jobs in sports, and he's going to be navigating things during the game. Like, what do we do on fourth and one? Does he have a does he have a card that tells him what to do? Who's he already listened to.
3: He said, like he was asked about, it and he was like, "Yeah, I'm an offensive lineman. I love points, so we're kicking the field goal." Uh, you have, you don't even know where you are on the field yet. Don't we're, say even what your situation. Do. You haven't gotten there. <laughs>
0: Yeah. And he was an offensive lineman. I just, this is one of the weirdest stories I think ever. Like, like I'm actually, I put real time trying to figure out why they would do this. And I almost wonder like trying to tank to get like a top three pick and you want to fire your GM and you just want to clean house and start over with some new administration. This is kind of the smartest thing you could do. I'm going to bring this guy who's not attached to our team at all and has never coached before. And put him in, and he'll fuck it up for eight weeks, and then I'll get to do what I want. That's the only thing that makes sense. I thought this was the weirdest, most inexplicable move in a while.
3: Yeah, and, and I know as, you did too. And and that's the thing is is what was most not most frustrating, but what was almost as frustrating was Jim Ursay sitting at his, his podium with a relatively straight face. She was still kind of laughing at us, providing justification. I mean, oh well, I'm actually I like that he has no experience because it means he won't have fear. What are you talking? about? Like? Don't do that. We're not idiots. Like, we have Google. We know how coaching works. We've watched football. Yeah. Like, we, you can't pull the wool over eyes like this. If, if Ursay had sat up on the podium and said, Listen, we're not a good team right now, uh, we're in a position where we're, we're going to be cleaning house with, with, with our staff, uh, you know, probably by the end of the season, we're going to take a long, hard look at, at our coaches and our, our general manager and our roster. We're at a position where we've tried to be on the quarterback carousel. We want to find a way to commit to a young guy. We know that we're in a spot where we're just, we're just not going to be able to compete for the rest of the year. I knew Jeff Saturday for 10 years. Always loved the way he handled himself. I thought he was a great locker room presence. I've always thought he'd be a good coach. I wanted to hire him when he retired. Because Ursay tried when he retired in 2012 to hire him to be in the front office. So I've always wanted him in the building. I've always respected Jeff. This was an opportunity for me to get Jeff in the building, something I've always wanted to do, and see what he's made of. See if he, he takes to coaching. See if he likes it. So I didn't take this opportunity. If you just called it straight, I at least would have respected that. But he didn't. He tried to act like this makes sense but everybody knows it doesn't make sense. And that's what makes it even more farcical. Now, you and I, we know it's a farce. How's the locker room going to respond? I don't know. And if I knew, I feel like I, I could handicap this game well. I feel like I could be big on the Raiders, big on the Colts. I, I know people who took well, the Raiders let me heavy. let
0: me give you some breadcrumbs. Yeah. Okay. The Colts are the second worst team in the league by DVOA. They're... I think by any calculation, the most offensively inept team that we have... They've lost half their coaching staff. They have a quarterback who wouldn't start for any other team in the league. They looked horrible last week. And now they're bringing in a coach who's never coached before. Like, I I, I just don't see how they're better than they were last week with a guy who has no experience whatsoever just because he's in the huddle before. All right, guys, let's get going here. Gotta yeah, and, do this and, for Colts football. I think this is going to be a disaster.
3: And they have a play caller who doesn't know how to help, right? Like, uh, like, right. You know, okay, Parks Frazier is a first-time play caller. Last week it was Frank Reich. What changes? Well, you know, there's still, like, everybody knows what the, the first and ten, the second and seven, the third and twelve, the third and two calls are on the card. Frazier can still read it, right? So, like, there's that. But there is an intuitiveness to understanding how do I set up my young quarterback? How do I get this route in a position to hit in third quarter by calling this play in the first quarter, right? There's, like, a... a, a a beauty to it there is a flow to it and this is parks frazier's first time you have to imagine there's going to be herky jerkiness you have to imagine there's going to be issues in terms of the communication and then there's going to be disparity in terms of like run pass what everything looks like and kind of are they going to have that flow it's very difficult to imagine the colts offense getting better i can imagine the players playing with more spirit i can imagine the players playing with greater competition i can see like the defense making huge tackles i can see like you know massive uproarious applause when the Colts score their first touchdown in the third quarter and everybody feels like they have a chance. And that's what I'm worried about is just that that emotional juice that might come into this game from an ex-player Jeff Saturday a guy who knows where they've been been in the trenches with them. That's the only thing that concerns me. On paper, nightmare game for the Colts. I, like, even with the injuries, yeah, you think the Raiders should be able to, to run all over them. Grover Stewart had rest this week. He should play, but still be able to run all over them. And then Devontae Adams versus Stephon Gilmore, Sounds great. Sounds like a matchup on paper, but you watch Gilmore play this year, and you realize no Devontae is going to win that ten out of ten times.
0: You could argue the Colts should have no wins right now. You go back and like that Kansas City game; they snuck that one out, and what they 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 snuck one out on a uh, Jacksonville. Just games yeah. like where you're watching it, going, "Wait, how is this team winning?" Matt Ryan had a couple end of the game drives that were pretty ridiculous. Yeah, and at
3: the least cre- with Ryan, they had teeth in the passing game they could do things on third and long they were one of the league's worst offenses but they were one of the league's worst offenses in the two weeks of Ellinger I mean they're they're they are 32nd with a bullet it is not close 31st by the way in terms of EPA per play is the Patriots just as an aside but 32nd by a wide margin is your Indianapolis Colts Ellinger did not bring anything to this offense Ursay insisted that he plays he wants to see him develop and then he fired his play caller and he fired his head coach and now there's Guys working with Elliger who have never worked with him before not going to help him. Uh, So again, like, if anything in this game, I'm on like alt unders for the Colts team total. I'm like Colts under ten and a half, Colts under seven and a half, taking huge odds and seeing if they just cannot move the ball at all.
0: The Pats thing's weird because their per play stuff is bad, but they also have like the fourth most twenty plus plays in the league. So Mm -hmm. they have either explosive plays or basically they should just kneel the ball. And those are the two options. Which is
3: definitely how you're supposed to build an offense around Mac Jones, right? It's just like deep shots or nothing. That's right. Yeah.
0: Matt, uh, Raiders-Cowboys parlay is plus 110. There's been action on the Raiders today. The Raiders line moved from minus five to minus four and a half. I'm sorry. There's been action on the Colts. Yes. People are betting the Colts. I don't get it. I don't understand the, it. The and we won't be doing it here.
3: Yeah. The Waller and Renfro news mattered to people because of the, matchups.
0: Has anyone watched Renfro this year? He's done nothing. Has yeah. anyone seen Waller this year? He's like barely <laughs> no, played. Yeah. Like what is like different?
3: Max Max Stillin, the real wide receiver too for the Raiders.
0: Before we go, um Chargers Niners feels like a mild stayway to me. You could make a case for both sides. I don't really know what I'm getting with the Chargers team, which seems like it's getting healthier. It feels like this could be a Niners put themselves on the map on a Sunday night. Like, oh my God, here they are. The real contender. They won by 20. Or like what we've seen with the Chargers all year where they look like shit, but they're hanging around.
3: Yeah. And that's it's what like, I'm how about. are they down
0: three? Like what's going on? Herbert's yeah. been hit 28 times and now they have the ball and they have a chance to win. So to me, it's a stay away.
3: Yeah, I I feel the exact same way. I liked the Niners a lot coming into this game, circled the matchup, thought I would get myself like a four and a half, and then I would take it for San Francisco, and then it opened much higher than I expected. So I put them in teaser spots. This, uh, we joke that there's no better... Uh, uh, play caller in the league in terms of taking advantage of your linebackers your second level than kyle shanahan right like it's just he finds some dude in your second level can't move too good and just hammers him every run play every pass play fine 53 fine 57 whoever it is now you're going into the chargers linebacker room which might be the worst in the league drew tranquil and kenneth murray uh it feels like a spot where where offense is so easy for kyle so now we're asking the question does justin keep the chargers in this game and good news Justin appeals like he's healthier week in and week out. Seems like he's playing better. They're finding a little bit more accuracy, a little bit more rhythm in the passing game. Bad news, Storm Norton might play this game. And if Storm Norton is playing a game, I do not want a piece of the Los Angeles Chargers. Uh, so some injury news that you'd like to see for the Chargers when we get closer. But I like Niners and teaser legs right now. I like the Niners to be able to put a ton of points on this Chargers second level, not suited to playing a team like San Francisco.
0: I'm probably going to parlaying Dallas and the Niners and then sweating out the the Niners chargers and just having a heart attack. You're going to have
3: Kyle take a 13 point lead in a halftime. And then for some reason, be only up two with eight minutes left in the fourth quarter for no (laughs) reason.
0: And I don't hedge at halftime, even though it's like, this is the perfect time to hedge. Like, nah, I'm going to ride it out. Uh, Who's your favorite big dog this week? Do you have one? Jacksonville?
3: Jacksonville is uh, my favorite big dog that I like. I've been talking myself into and out of Houston against the Giants, just Houston coming off of a, a, of a long rest coming off of Thursday night. Davis yeah. Mills in this Houston offense has been weirdly good when pressured. Uh, they haven't played a ton of man coverage teams. So when they do play man coverage teams against the Bears, against the Chargers, score 24 points, Chargers, score 20 against the Bears, covered that game, covered against the Jags, another man coverage, heavy team. So Mills against pressure, man teams has been, that's when he's been at his best. So I, I, I feel a little bit like Houston over 17 and a half team total, something I already have plus five and a half. I've looked at a lot. I, I, don't want to pull the trigger <laughs> because I know what Houston is and I know what the Giants are. It's tough. So, I bet on them the a Jags. couple weeks
0: ago. It's brutal. They were just, yeah. catch Houston on the wrong week. It's like a cross-off 10 minutes into the game.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, I looked at them too because except for the same thing you did, it's like, eh, anybody can beat the Giants. Yeah. So if you're plus five or you're plus yeah. 170 for the game, it's like the Giants could Danny Dimes could just suck.
3: My thought on this one is that if the Texans win, usually when you have an underdog winning or an underdog covering, you expect the total to be under. I think if the Texans win, it's an over game. I think if the Texans win, then Mills has a good game. He's he's winning against man coverage. Brandon Cook's potentially back for this one. And then, yeah, they're both going to be run heavy teams. So look at these run defenses. They give up explosive plays. So it might be a lot of Damien Pierce, Saquon Barkley, but they're still scoring fast because (laughs) there's nobody tackling in the second and third level. Uh, And so if it's a Texans win spot, I like it as an over.
0: All right, Solak, good to see you.
3: Yep, good luck this week.
0: All right, million dollar picks. Week 10. Last week, we lost a little bit. We lost 100K because the Carolina Panthers last week. Never betting on them again. You're dead to me, Carolina Panthers. Down 1.67 million for the season. Winning it back today. This is the week. We're going to Germany. We have to go to Germany to get our money back. Seattle, plus three. Fifth in DVOA. Second in defensive DVOA the last four weeks, playing this Tampa team that if the Rams just get a first down in the last two minutes of the game, they lose and we're having what's wrong with Tampa conversations all week. Instead, Tampa's favored by three against the Seattle team that has been money for us, a million-dollar picks, young team, know how to tackle, great rookie running back, quarterback playing well, well well-coached. Tampa in the red zone, 13 touchdowns total the whole season. 22 field goals. I just think Seattle's better. I think Seattle should be favored in this game. We are putting 600K on Seattle plus three. And then the other game I love, Dallas and Green Bay. Green Bay's done. We just talked about it with Ben Solak. Uh, It's a wrap. They're banged up. Offensive line's banged up. Skill position guys, which weren't even good to begin with, they're banged up. Aaron Jones might not play. Rodgers looks like he's checked out. And you have this Dallas team with this awesome defense going into Lambeau. Are we sure there's going to be all Green Bay fans of this game? It feels like there's going to be some Dallas fans of this game. If you thought this Packers season couldn't get more depressing, I have news for you. It's about to, because we're going to have a Dallas ass kicking in Green Bay with bummed out fans and like slightly more Cowboys fans than maybe anybody expected. So we're going to take the Dallas money line and we're putting it with two different bets. The first one, Vegas. I'm not happy about this either. Vegas is favored over the Colts right now. The line's minus four and a half. This is a bet against the Colts. I don't even care. They, this isn't a bet against Ve- on Vegas. This is a bet on the Colts' opponent. The Colts just hired a TV analyst to coach their team from ESPN. I would have picked Mina Kimes. They picked Jeff Saturday, whatever. I guess he used to play there. He's never coached past high school. He has no idea what he's walking into. They've fired half of their coaching staff already. They have a quarterback who I watched last week against my Patriots who literally couldn't do anything. They can't block. And their defense is like, eh, mediocre. Um, I don't know how they have three wins. They are, to me, the worst team in the league. They're 31st in DVOA. It feels like that should be worse. And this is just a blind bet against the Colts in this ridiculous Jeff Saturday experiment that feels like the NFL version of tanking, if you want to be honest. I got Dallas and Vegas plus 110 as a parlay. Both just have to win. We're putting 300K on that. And then the other one, we're putting 300K on Dallas money line, Jacksonville adjusted line on FanDuel plus 14 and a half in Kansas City. I think they hang around this game. Kansas, uh, Jacksonville, they lead the league in first downs right now. 203 first downs. They move the ball. And then they screw up inside the 10-yard line. Maybe that won't happen as much this week. Kansas City, big emotional uh, night game last week. Feeling great about themselves uh, after holding off Tennessee. But they did play five quarters. Maybe overlooking this Jacksonville team a little bit. Who knows? I think Jacksonville can hang around. We can move Jacksonville to plus 14 and a half. Dallas Moneyline parlay plus 113. We're putting 300K on that as well. And then we have two underdog parlays. We're riding the Cleveland Browns this week. They're playing Miami plus three and a half. Cleveland right now is, they're three and five, but they blew the Jets game, the Atlanta game and the Chargers game. They really are three plays away from me in six and two. And that Nick Chubb not falling down against the Jets. I mean, you go through it, like, They're hanging around these games. I think they could potentially beat Miami. They have the 50 VOA in the last four weeks. Miami's got some wins where they have they seem like they have more momentum than maybe is reasonable. Beat Pittsburgh by six. Beat Detroit by four. Beat Chicago by three. Congratulations. Um, I think Cleveland I don't know if they're going to win this game, but I think they could. So we take them with the Vikings playing in Buffalo. I don't know what to expect from Josh Allen, but the Vikings, they only have one loss this season. They're three and a half point uh, underdogs in Buffalo. Why couldn't they beat Buffalo? Who knows? Put Browns Vikings together plus 520. Grabbing that, putting 33K on that. And then a little same game parlay. The Browns, the over of the game, 49 and a half with the Dolphins. That game's going to have points, probably. And then a Nick Chubb anytime touchdown. Plus 645, putting 33K on that as well. Who knows? A little flyer on the Browns. We'll see what happens. But we love Seattle and we love Dallas and Lambo this week. And that's where we're going to make our money. Those are the million dollar picks for week 10. All right, that's it for the podcast. Thanks to Verno. Thanks to House. Thanks to Solak. Thanks to Kyle Creighton for producing. I will see you on this feed on Sunday night. And if you want to hear me a little bit before that, White Lotus, episode three. We're gonna be breaking it down on the Prestige TV podcast right after it's done on HBO. So around 7 p.m. Pacific, 10 p.m. East Coast time, that will be going up. Episode three. And by the way, episode three is a banger. Just telling you. All right. Have a good weekend. I'll see you on Sunday. I